Chapter 5 of Plain Mary Smith, A Romance of Red Saunders, by Henry Wallace Phillips. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. On my bureau was a knife. My father stood behind me. Such a picture it chills me to think of him. All of his face was chalk white. His hands shook like palsy. I reckon I can slide over the next little while. You guess what a crazy madman who's fed his mind on darkness for years would be likely to do. I never raised a hand in defense. Took it. At the same time, I made my mind up to end this business, quick and strong. I had enough. Of course, from father's point of view, something could be said. Had I been drunk and fighting at the tavern, as my nice, gentlemanly little friend, Algy Anker, ran and told him, nobody'd blame him for getting ori-eyed. But he might have asked me what I had to say. A woman-killer gets that show. He used me bad enough, so Eli interfered. I don't care if I never sell another thing to you, says he. But, neighbor... You shan't hit that boy again. No, now, there's no use to squirm. You shan't do it, and that's all. You run along, Bill. When Mother saw me, she cried out. I was a sight, for sure. Ought to have washed up a bit and not give her such a shock. But my head was sizzing like a pinwheel. Only one idea stuck. I'm not hurt much, Mother, I says. I want to speak to you. Mother was quick-witted and hearty-witted, too. She knew there was no boy foolishness in this, so she choked down her feelings, got a basin, clean water, and a towel, and said, Tell me while I bathe your face. I told her. It was queer how quiet I felt. I don't know, but what it's always that way, though, when a man has made his mind up tight. We seemed almost of an age, mother and me, that little while. She pleaded with me. Don't leave your home, Will. I've been wrong. I should have done more. I didn't, thinking things would right themselves. But now I'll promise to stand between. And what will your life be like? I asked her. I grew old pretty fast under pressure. Never mind that, she cried. My boy, to have you with me. Shh, I says. How could I help minding it? She was still. And worse might come, I went on. I don't like to say it, yet every time I couldn't promise to be, there'd come a day too often. I'm strong, and if I should... She put her hand on my lips. Go to your room, Will, and let me think alone for a while she said. She caught me and held me close with never a tear, but a look worse than an ocean of tears. I couldn't have stood it if I hadn't known I was doing the right thing. To a dead certainty, there would be no peace with me in the house. Any doubts anybody might have had was removed when father come in. He went straight to mother's room. I heard him shouting talking so fast his words were broken, stamping around, quoting the scripture one minute, crying threats and slaughter the next. 
It was pitiful. I hustled, getting things ready. I knew a little more of listening, and I'd have nothing but contempt for my father. Then Mother's voice rung out, telling him to leave until he could talk like a man. Usually she could force him, when she wished, hers being so much bigger a mind. But this time the littler soul was beyond itself with fury. Don't take that tone with me, he roared. I won't stand it. And as for the lies that boy told you, I'll have them out of his back. Their door slammed open, and he fairly ran toward mine. I jumped and locked it. Mother was close after him. You shall not, she said. Listen to reason. You've done enough harm. Oh, she cried in pain. I thought he hit her. What I feared boiled up in me. On my bureau was a knife, a big, heavy knife, that got into my hand somehow. It was me and the devil for that round. How long I stood with the knife raised, I don't know. Then Mother spoke calmly. You hurt my arm, holding it so tight, she said. That certainly isn't necessary. He had grace enough to beg her pardon. Finally, she got him to leave. A good job. That day had been a trifle too much for me already. I can't see a bare knife since without a shudder. Don't like the glint of steel at all. Years after, a flash of sun on water would bring things back, and I'd have a sickness in the stomach. An hour after, Mother came in. Well, my boy, you are right, she says, as if the very life were out of her. Yes, I says, thinking of the knife. And I'll just slide out quiet, no trouble to anybody. She roused herself. You will leave in daylight, my son, she says, with your mother to say goodbye. You have done nothing wrong, and you shan't leave ashamed. But, mother, that will make it bad for you, I says. I married your father. I brought you into the world, she says. I know my duty, and I shall do it, if it costs all our lives, let alone a little trouble. And besides, she says, getting up excited, no matter what anyone can say, you've been a good... She broke down all at once. The rest of it she cried into my shoulder, whilst I told her about how I'd be rich and great in no time, and father'd come around all right, after a while, and we'd all be happy, till she felt better. And I believed it myself so strong and put it out so clear that I think I convinced her. Anyway, they got along all right after I left. That's a comfort. So it was arranged. I shouldn't say anything, but keep out of father's way until she made him yield the point. She laid it out to the old gentleman clear and straight, Maddie tells me. Maddie's mother was my mother's half-sister. Telling him I wasn't drunk, as he could readily prove, and as for the fighting, if he intended to beat me every time I defended a woman, why, she'd leave too. That part of it stuck in Mother's mind. 
She would not listen when I told her it was only one of the reasons for the row, and she summed the thing up by saying I was determined to leave, that it was best all around, and that he must act like a human being and a father for once. By this time, I reckon he didn't feel so terrible proud of himself. At least, it was pulled off easy. I left home with some small money in my pocket, a trunk of clothes in Eli's care, and mother and father both waving me goodbye in the road, for the great world, per Boston, and a schooner trading south that belonged to Eli's cousin. And here's the queer thing. The day I left... Mick went into the tavern and called for a glass of whiskey. He poured out a snorter and balanced it on the flat of his thumb. Ladies and gentlemen, says he, you here behold the coin friend that led Mick Murphy, that's licked the country, to bang a bit of a bye after misnaming a decent woman. Smash goes the glass on the floor. Tra-la-loo to you, says Mick, flinging the barkeep a half-dollar. Keep the change, he says. It's the last cent I have, and the last you'll get from me. And that's just what happened, too. He's located about twenty mile over yonder, with a good factory and somewheres between ninety and nine thousand Murphys claiming him as their start. And my best friend is old Mick. He cried when I first went to see him. I reformed him, but it cost me my home. I never knew, either, until he told me himself a year ago. End of chapter 5 Recording by Tom Penn